2: In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I break down our expectations for the Sixers offense this season, going over what we think their strengths and weaknesses will be, and how all the pieces should fit together. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Botner, joined once again by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. Hey, doing Rich? Dog days of summer, very end. Basketball coming back into our lives shortly. Derek, I'm doing fine, man. And uh, for anyone listening out there, a
0: word of advice: the like function on Twitter <laughs> is public. Is public?
2: Yes, it is. Always has been, uh, and there have always been people who didn't realize that. No real reason that we're bringing it up right now. Just thought it was a worthwhile PSA. Yep.
0: In a uh, in other perhaps less salacious news, you know what is officially back this week, the the who's back of the week, maybe? Sixers' Instagram account. And I'm not talking like Jim Selfies either. You know, Alex Subers takes pictures of Joel and B dribbling the ball. Or of Ben Simmons. Facility.
2: He takes a lot of pictures of Ben Simmons. Dri- dribbling the ball too, not shooting the ball, but dribbling the ball, yeah. he's He's done a nice
0: job navigating being... Really good friends with Ben Simmons, but also still being a, a treasured employers. member of the the Sixers uh, staff. And I think the reason is because he's a good guy and he's really good. Yeah, at and he's a photos. really good at his
2: job too. Yeah,
0: 100%, 100%. yeah. Uh, but look, he takes those photos of Joel Embiid in a sweatshirt. By the way, NBA players work out in sweatshirts all the time. I don't play basketball.
2: Have you ever done Never, that? Never. Not once in my life. Maybe that's why we suck because <laughs> we. I don't know. <laughs> I
0: don't know. But people see those pictures. Like logically, and thinking, I don't
2: even get why you would do that. I just don't understand it. Anyway. You could you could lose weight, I
0: guess. Well, like, you're just you gotta, losing gotta gotta water sweat. weight though.
2: Like what? Does he have like a weigh-in coming in? That's not how that works. we will gain that probably, right back when you hydrate yourself. I don't know. Probably not. I know. And you know,
0: Joel said he's six hundred pounds last year too. So I you know, maybe. Uh you know, but people see those pictures and they they start thinking championship. You yeah. know, you also have Montrez Harold shaking hands. You've with got Embiid. somebody
2: in Orlando right now going, guys, in three look at these Instagram videos in three years, we're winning it all. Every team <laughs> in the league. Every team in the league. Yep. Do
0: you remember the scrap that Embiid and Trez got into yeah, last year? Sure. I I forgot about I I remembered it happened, but I had to go back and look at it. Yeah. Do you that was Joe that was Troel Embiid at his absolute best because they get into a little scrap? Joel gets like, and then, you know, I think it's like a double technical might be like two or three plays later. Joel gets the rebound, gets fouled and and scores. And Trez is the one who fouled him. He screams N1 so loud and as close to Trez's face, but not directly in his face as humanly possible. And Trez gives him just like a little shove and, and he gets, he gets booted. Joel's like, why? You know.
2: Oh. Uh, Luckily, this that, is not the first backup center the Sixers have signed that Joel Embiid has previously had a grudge against, so they should be able to work that out.
0: Yeah. So, uh, th- and that won't get one, as much. The,
2: the only one that would really concern me is if they brought in, like, Whiteside. Like, that one might be a little. I don't know if that's going to work <laughs> out.
0: Yeah. You know, I don't know. The Drummond experience gives me some hope, though. Yeah, you know? it, won- it won't get as much fanfare as the classic. uh, s- I- Wait, how would you title that the Drummond picture? Like skeptical All Star Embiid? Like I, I don't know what the what the artist title of that picture, but still noteworthy nonetheless. You uh you know, and then you have other guys. You know, you have Harden and Maxie there having a love fest, I think Tobias Matisse, B Paul, Melton, House Shake, um, Isaiah Joe. It's it's very common for teams to have workouts prior to the season, but it looks like the Sixers did that in Philadelphia this week.
2: Uh, and it's right around time they should all be getting back anyway. Uh, we have media day here in a little over a week, and then we are off to Charleston.
0: What? Uh, uh real quick, what did you think about those uh those statement jerseys that got uh, leaked on the internet? The statement. Did you think they made a statement? I didn't actually see it. Oh, okay. You know that their new jerseys oh. got leaked. It wasn't a uh, official Sixers press release, but I here's my thing, man. I know I cover the team, and it, and it theoretically should be my job, at least somewhat under my purview. But, dude, I have no idea what the difference is between a statement, a city, a classic jersey. I I have no idea, like, if the Sixers are required to change them every season. I know the Spectrum ones were cool. I don't know which ones those were. The Boathouse Row ones were not as cool. That's okay. Uh, But it's one of those things where I just realized, you know, I only have so much room in my brain right now. That it's like one of those things I don't need to have completely down pat. It's, uh, but have you seen them So
2: though? you're talking about the brotherly love one? Yes, I am. Yeah. Uh, I just, just pulled it up. I did not see that yesterday. Uh, I was pretty, pretty on the road. Um, <laughs> got back on Twitter and first thing I saw was Doc, which by the way, it took me a couple minutes to try to like trace that back and see where that all started from and what everyone, cause it seemed like everyone was just kind of like referring to it without actually talking about it. So it took me a minute to get back caught up. Feels like um, one
0: of those situations where that's fair to do. That. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I like the Spectrum ones a lot more. If these replace the Spectrum ones, I'm disappointed. I know, right? Like, I, like you, I, I don't they really, know the really nailed between one. City Edition and Statement Jersey and all that stuff. Either Um jerseys are pretty low on my priority list, but no, I don't. I don't like these as much. No. Yeah, it's uh.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those things I don't have the bandwidth for. It's also one of jerseys. these things
2: where like when you change jerseys every year, there's only so many good ideas. You're not going to come up with a winner every year. And I get you need to you know, push products and make money and all that stuff, but there's just not that many good ideas you can come up with for Philadelphia 76ers jerseys. Pick one, stick with it for five years and then change it. I don't know. I'm not a marketing guy though. So what do I know?
0: Pre-Boathouse Row, I could not tell you what their jerseys were like, like Boat what House Row, you
2: only know because there was so much controversy around it and so much dislike yep. of it
0: yeah yeah i i wouldn't know what those were yeah it's uh i'm definitely gonna forget these i'm sure unless they like win a championship with them on or something like that which man that would be horrible because they're not <laughs> as cool uh
2: no Where where if you get to the nba finals you've got to wear the normal ones
0: got to. got to it uh yeah it's just uh, the jerseys i just I, I told you about my fantasy football punishment last week yes right? yes the lo- the loser has to take the SATs and they have to post the score <laughs> to uh, social media, which uh, some people in the league think they would do better than they did
2: No, when they were kids, which to me is insane. Like the math would be impossible. Unless you spent like all of high school just like, first of all, not paying attention and not preparing for the SAT at all. But even still, you had to have that information more at the top of your head than you do now. Like I haven't used any of that shit in 20 years.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's what this is. i, I like that math from high school, I just I, I can't I do not have enough bandwidth and brain space in my head for these jerseys. There are too many things going on with this franchise for me to keep straight. So it's uh
2: It's also stuff. that like I can't like position you and I and in, like we can't really buy a jersey, so I just don't care.
0: I just don't it's care. A, it's a good point. But there I mean, from a math standpoint, there is no way. What's the last jersey that- you bought? That I am not a dumber individual than 15 years ago. Last jersey, last six years jersey.
2: Yeah, no last jersey period. Uh, I I have a Bryce Harper
0: jersey. I was, okay,
2: It's okay. Getting
0: pretty uh. Your jerseys count. I pretty we'll excited count last year. We'll I don't. I don't get jerseys. I I think uh, I only
2: get jerseys. Uh, that's not true. Like I've back in 08 in the Phillies run, I bought a a couple of jerseys for sure. But now typically. I don't buy a jersey until somebody retires. And I know that jersey is going to be timeless. Like I bought a B-Doc jersey when he left. I bought a Westbrook jersey when he retired. I think those might be the last two jerseys I bought, actually. Like full-blown jerseys.
0: I And honestly, the football jerseys, I think they look... Yeah. No offense, kind of bad on
2: like a, yep. a normal-sized guy. I, I, I just I, don't think they look that good. Like the, right the before I got ones. into the media thing, the last autograph I got was getting that jersey signed by Brian Dawkins.
0: Well, okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's a legend, but I, I actually think the best jerseys are, are baseball jerseys yep. in like October when you can wear them, you know, you can wear like a a heavier shirt or windbreaker or something underneath. I think those kind of look the best, but no, nah, I never was a big Jersey guy. That's why I kind of like the jerseys because they're just t-shirts Shirts, and, yeah. and you're good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Did, speaking uh, of
2: that, I think the last, last one I have that's not signed is probably Cole Hamels, uh, 2008 with the world series patch. That's the yeah. last one I bought to wear.
0: Mm-hmm. Did uh and real quick, did you see Adam Silver? He he commented on the uh investigations that are going on. He
2: did. He did.
0: He uh he had a tough did week. Not go over that. well.
2: Which yeah. by the way, it shouldn't, because that was horse shit, quite frankly. Um Yeah. I mean, the the penalty was just a slap on the wrist. It was just a when you're talking about a guy who's worth upwards of a billion dollars, like have a $10 million fine and don't sit courtside for a year. Just not good enough. It's not justice for the people who were wrong. It was very, look, I understand that he was hampered a little bit. Like he can't just, and I think this is misconstrued a lot from the Donald Sterling thing. He can't just remove Sarver. He can't, he can't do that. That's voted on by the league. You have to get, I forget exactly. Is it 23 teams would have to vote him out or 23 governors would have to vote him out. Something like that. So he can't do that. He could have banished him for more than a year, though, and I think he should have um I don't think a year is long enough you know for a lot of these rich billionaire people, being in that club is a big part of team ownership. It's not just making money off the team it's it's having it's being able to flaunt owning a team and status, I think, yes. yeah, I think he should have been banished for five years, banished for life. I don't care something more severe than what they did. And also, look, I get a lot of owners and you get you get the sense that a lot of owners didn't want this coming to a vote because, quite frankly, they don't want to be on record for what their vote would have been. And I think a lot of people fear that this would have leaked. Too bad. They should be on record. And also, you know, one of the things that really pissed me off, really pissed me off. Was reading the NBA's announcement about Sarver's punishment, and they kept going back and saying it wasn't motivated by racial or gender based animus was a phrasing they used. Which, first of all, I, I don't know how you can possibly look at all the things he did and said and come to that conclusion. It really just seems like it defies all logic and sensibility and it all just sounds ridiculous. But beyond that, even if his, his words had no animosity behind it, that's only part of the equation. The other part, even if it's just pure ignorance, it still has an impact on the people that he's talking to or about. And it might, might be one thing if this was like a single isolated incident that happened years ago and he learned from and he grew from. But by all accounts, that's not what happened. Even the most charitable of all explanations, he was told how and why time and time again that his actions were, were problematic. Told numerous times and he refused to listen. He refused to consider how his actions and statements impacted others. He refused to evolve and he continued to treat women and people of color like shit. And it's just incredibly, incredibly disappointing that silver didn't do enough. There's just no place in the league for someone who said what he said and expressed the sentiments that he expressed. There's just no place. Very disappointing.
0: Yeah. I, I forgot that that's the, the banishment is how Sterling was kicked out. Like it wasn't silver forcing him to sell. That kind of just happened as a result of it.
2: Well, and then his wife is, is the one who Sterling. Sold the team. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with what you said. I would like for Robert Sarver to not be involved in the NBA anymore. I just think this situation shows how difficult it is to remove an owner and, uh, hopefully public sentiment makes it untenable for him to own a team and he gets cut a check for 2 billion or whatever it is to get out of the paint. Uh, that's kind of how I feel about it. It's, it's, uh, it's a tough thing, but at the end of that press conference, silver did say, uh. They had a, well, he said that the Sixers investigation should be wrapping up in a couple of weeks. He also said that it wasn't a complaint from a team that sparked it, which hmm uh, not, you know, maybe, maybe <laughs> not. And uh, that the, but the other thing he said too, was that the, the information and kind of the timing of the signings were what prompted the league to investigate. And I don't know. I don't know how much you want to read into that. That might've just been him uh you know, briefly summarizing the situation. If that's what it is, that's not what the cap circumvention charge really is. That's more yep. of the lighter punishment element of it. But I don't think you can uh read too much into that considering he was getting absolutely pummeled with questions yeah. about yep. his uh his bozo ruling.
2: Yeah it'll be interesting. I do think the um there could be a, a, a situation where you see them come down on you know, maybe tampering quicker, circumvention could take longer, or he could have just been giving an answer to talk about legitimately anything other than Robert Sarver. If that is what
0: the the whole of what his answer is, I think the Sixers should be encouraged. That's, yes. A, qu- if, if that's a quick
2: investigation is beneficial for the Sixers.
0: Quick and about the timing and the Twitter and, you know, the, the fact that this seemed like it was done early, that means a lesser punishment. That's what that means. So, yep, I agree. Uh, but I agree. we'll see. I, I don't want to read too much into it.
2: Alright, so let's move on to we're gonna do two podcasts here. Um not now, but this week is gonna be focusing a little more on the offense. Um, you know, just a couple minutes talking about what we expect from the offense. Next week will be defense, so let's kind of transition into little a hoops about a little bit of basketball, fifteen minutes into this podcast. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of nonsense going on. There's you know a lot we- of nonsense and there's no hoops, and there haven't been hoops for months and months and months. Uh
0: let me, let me start see. with a question yep, for you. Yep. Go ahead. I'm putting you on the spot right now. I'll give you like a three-team range. Where do you believe the Sixers should finish in offense this year? And look, I'll give you a three-team range. You don't have to pick one spot. But because this is your off-the-cuff, shooting-from-the-hip opinion, didn't prep you for yeah, this one. Yeah. But just when I ask you that question, what
2: are, what's kind of the range that comes into mind? Well, I think we said a couple podcasts back, we thought they had a chance of being both a top-five offense and a top-five defense. Regular season. So, I would, and if I had to pick for offense, it would be towards the bottom half of that top five. So, I would say five through seven. Okay. And do you know,
0: because I looked this up before the pod, we did a little prep for this one. Whoa, whoa. Eh, a little bit, you know. Talk about what curveball. What's the it. high water mark of the process era? And, and as a reminder, this team has basically been a 15 win team for the past five years. All of these stats are per uh, cleaning the glass. As always, we shouldn't even need to say that. That's what we use. What is the high watermark for the Sixers' offense
2: in that time <sighs> in a year? It's not as high as you would think it would be. They've never been as good of an offense, and I even even last year they weren't. They weren't top ten, were they? I guess you're not going to answer that because I have to. Um... They were not top ten last year. Okay. Okay. Uh, I want to say I want to say they snuck into top ten once. I'll say 8.
0: They did it twice. It's oh, okay. it's it's 9. Though, oh, okay. Both, both times. They just got into the top 10. Uh it uh Was that the Jimmy Tobias year? I think it was the first two years actually. Uh and you know it's it's kind of funny. They they've like added more offensive firepower, but the years that they did the best, obviously the Jimmy Tobias year, but also the the Cove uh okay. Dario JJ year, which you know, I think is kind of the the facsimile of this yeah. this team, right? They've gotten back to the the three point bombing outside, but yeah, they basically have finished ninth to thirteenth in uh, offense, and they finished thirteenth, believe it or not, last year uh, in offense. It was a little bit better with Harden, but not a ton better. It uh, yeah, it, the offense has not been as good. And, and I guess my point on looking back at that is this is for me the biggest goal for this team. You do not have Ben Simmons anymore. And Ben Simmons is, I'm going to say it, he is the most overrated offensive player in the league when it comes to driving efficient team offense. You don't have to run any more snug pick and rolls. You don't have to watch any more hook shots like it's the 1985 finals. (laughs) You don't have to bank on workout videos in the summer translating to an actual game. You don't. I'll
2: push back on that just because I don't think very many people rate him highly as an offensive player.
0: Well, not anymore. I think during the Sixers' time. Okay, fair enough.
2: You can't Uh, be overrated if you're not highly rated.
0: And as much as I'm, uh, I'm dumping on Ben there. I think, like, look, I think the things he did defensively were real. Even if you know how much does one individual defender matter? Like,
2: and I do think his passing was legitimately elite. It's just he wasn't able to create rotations, and that's a real bit. And also, his shooting is really a hindrance too. Exactly, and if. And if you have the ball in his hands for a long time, I no, don't 100%. think you're ever But I, going I, I to think get. his limitations offensively, like, I don't think his passing was a mirage. I think it was just hard to utilize because he was so deficient in so many other areas. Anyway, we don't need to debate Ben it's, Simmons. It's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, I mean, but look, he, he was a problem if he's your, your point guard in terms of a top five offense. But defensively, like, look, some of the things he did with Joel and some of the rotations he could make—
2: Uh, This would be the time of year we'd be like trying to diagram a snug pick and roll that might work and talk ourselves into it. And, oh, I'm glad I don't do that. Instead, we're going to talk ourselves into a hamstring.
0: The, uh, yeah, exactly. But look, you you don't have any of those issues that his fit provided the Sixers. And yeah, obviously last year, you don't have any of the issues that him not playing provided the Sixers. You have Joel Embiid in his absolute prime MVP level over the past two years of basketball. You've hardened with everything to prove in the world. And you have a perfect fit as the third guy with both of those players in Tyrese Maxey. You have Tobias, who's a, a very talented player. You just got Montrez Harrell in September, which yep. is like, that's like the equivalent of like Eric like Blunt in June or whatever the hell that is. Like that, that guy is going to juice your offense in the regular season. There's no question about that. He is the most talented offensive backup center the Sixers have had in a long time. The Boban slander I- is
2: real here. Yeah, man.
0: I mean, we we used to laugh so hard watching Boban. I love Boban. Uh, just just score over people. But then I had Remember to watch when the he playoffs with which...
2: all those years ago?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that <laughs> was the Colangelo day when he showed up. Uh so look, and then you have everybody else on the roster. Oh shit, with... you're
2: right. Spurs won that game by like 50, didn't they?
0: Yeah, that's when it was happening yeah. too. Yeah, it was whew, tough night. I for forgot it was
2: that that game.
0: Uh and look, the uh the shoes on the other foot now because uh, I think they're coming in for like the third or fourth game of the year. It might be yeah. a fifty-point Sixers win, but look, everybody ex- with the per- perhaps Matisse is the exception should be able to take threes and make threes at a decent volume. And finally, you have and the effort. Trez. Ap- Trez isn't really Trez can't do it either. You're right, but he's a center, so that's I'm less concerned. No, about it's that.
2: just it's more you got to keep keep them separate. Anyway, I'm sorry, I
0: didn't mean to interrupt you. And then you have Doc Rivers the aforementioned Doc Rivers,
2: whose specialty
0: is on the offensive side of the basketball. This needs to be a top five offense. I get it. It's a deep league, lots of talented offensives out there, but enough. like Unless Harden falls off
2: a cliff. What were they after Harden?
0: Last season, after Harden. I think
2: they, they were top were, 10, but not like...
0: They were They, they were 10th, but it, it's kind of weird. It, it really shot up at the end. At the end of the season, yeah. offenses skyrocket to the point where... The Sixers made a legit improvement, but
2: you know, I, I Some think the teams whole league, aren't playing against opponents who really care about playing basketball.
0: I just remember some of those Pacers games when the Sixers looked good. I think a lot of teams had games like that and yeah. it improved. And, and we'll get to that in a sec. Um this needs to be a top five offense. It I it just unless he falls off a cliff from last year, which I'm not expecting to happen. No, me neither. This team needs to be elite offensively. Just does.
2: I agree. I agree. You might be able to talk me above that five through seven, but it wouldn't be my, I don't think my expectations are top three, but I do think they will be very good.
0: It could be one of those situations where they're sixth or seventh, but they're like a percentage point behind fifth. Like that's, I'll accept that. That's essentially a top five offense. I, this 10th, 11th, 12th,
2: uh uh-uh. Yeah. No, it's not. I don't think it will be. I I think they will be above that for sure. For sure. I mean, there's just so many more contributors. There's so many more ways to build an identity. There's so many more parts that fit. There's so many fewer deficiencies that you have to hide. They should be clicking on all cylinders for a full 48 more often than not. Whether that's top five, whether that's six by a percentage point, I think they'll be very good. Very good. All right. So what are you, you know, I guess have some of these stats, post-Harden acquisition stats nearby. Obviously, they were first in free throw rate <laughs>
0: by a lot. A, t- a 29.0 free throw rate. They were first in the league by a mile. They yeah. were first anyway before with Embiid. I, that just shows you Embiid is the the human foul drawer. But you put him and Harden together, and it just, I mean, it was a comedy of fouls.
2: <laughs> it's a cheat code. It's a cheat code. Uh the turnover rate was pretty good. I want to say like uh actually it was very good. Um I'm at I'm actually at nba.com uh because it's just uh. sometimes it's just sometimes easier to to sort by uh or to filter uh. by date. Uh I apologize to Ben Ben, ben Sykes. How dare he? Like <laughs> oh, I use cleaningtheglass.com. You should go sign up. I use it all the time. I just happened to pull up NBA stats and it threw me off because they actually redesigned a bunch of stuff. Not drastically, but just enough I always go through this transition at the beginning of the year where it's like I completely forget how to use the various sites and I have to relearn it. And now they change it, like tweaked it just a little bit. So it's kind of, uh, uh, you know, it's going to take me a minute here. That's um, very
0: similar to me with golf, where this is I, this is the end of my golfing and I won't play again until whenever <laughs> the season ends. You yeah. know, maybe I'll get around it in March or April, like once or twice. Uh, and then I uh, I forget how to play. So, you know. This is the best I'll be, and then come March, uh, it's like I've never picked up a club. <laughs> again. So that's that's you with NBA stats. Yep,
2: yep, they were 11th best turnover rate, so they took care of the ball pretty well. Uh, actually, their offensive rebounding rate went up; it was 20th over that span, uh, whereas before it was way down. What did they finish the season on? Ter- um, offensive rebounding was it 28th? They finished
0: the season 30th, okay. but that was the product of the pre-Harden. They were last by a mile, yeah. like yep. legit laugh out loud. And if you remember, part of that is they had bad rebounders, and part of it was strategic because they their wanted to get back defense on defense.
2: Was atrocious, yeah. And it was still bad was still with hard. both of those. <laughs> yep, yep.
0: They were really they were the anti-Toronto Raptors last year, where the Raptors they could crash and
2: get back. Yeah. The
0: Sixers didn't crash, and they still got killed in transition. Yeah, and it's it was, one of the uh, reasons
2: Toronto always plays above their uh, their talent level too. Always a tough yep. out. Three point attempts, they were still pretty low. They were mid pack, seventeenth in three point attempts. Well, that's per game. That's really shitty. Not only am I not on uh, Ben's I, site, but I'm using shitty stats. I got it. That was that was a, a
0: legit difference. They were uh, they were twenty sixth in three point rate prior to Harden showing up, yep. which is ridiculous. And they were uh, they're fourteenth. After it was over. And that's, you know, that's a little bump.
2: Good. Well, it's more than a little bump. It's just not where you want it to be and not where certainly where uh, Harden's Houston Rockets were back in the day. It never will be when you're building around Joel Embiid. But you would like to see that bumped up a little bit more. I think that's one thing where you can look at Tobias and be like, it would be great if he would. He embraced his role last year as a third and fourth option and a defensive stopper more than you would have expected him to embrace that role considering his salary and his acclaim and what he's accomplished throughout his career. Now we need him to get better at those specific skills. It would be great if he got a little more comfortable with the high volume three-point shooting. Maxi continuing to and he made as big of a leap last year as you could have expected, certainly in terms of percentages. Uh now you would like to see maybe that volume go up a little bit more. Although his volume was pretty good looking at it now he shot five point three threes in 35 minutes after the Harden acquisition made like 48% of them. He just had that couple week weeks stretch where he couldn't miss. So you like to see his threes go up maybe a little bit more, but also some of the role players. When you have Melton getting minutes over Bible, when you have even, you know, PJ Tucker just stationed in the corner, some of these players should help you get a few more threes per house. house. Yep. hundred percent get a few more threes than they got last year. How high do you think they can go? Can they be a top 10 Three point rate team.
0: I think they can. You're right. They're not going to be number one just because it's not built around Harden and five PJ Tuck- or four PJ Tuckers, and you have Joel who's going to want to get to the rim and all of those things. Yeah, I think they can get in the top ten. Again, they they were like 14th at the end of the season. A lot of these stats get jacked up at the end of the year because teams don't play defense. And I would say that we saw signs. Of an improved approach after Harden got there. Like, yeah. if you remember, there were some of those games, and again, bad teams like Charlotte, Indiana teams that didn't really care about defense, where the Sixers legitimately started to bomb some threes. And we were like, all right, this looks pretty good. Like, this is what it should look like. Can they do that when teams are actually playing defense at the beginning of the year? Can they uh, keep that up? And I, I think to an extent they can, for sure. And I, some of that is more familiarity with Harden. Some of that is hopefully Harden being a little. Uh, more spry, and the the other thing is that you mentioned the key thing, the role players are all limited guys who what they do is bomb threes, and and that's we've kind of come full circle here where the Sixers approach has been, okay, Embiid and Simmons and a bunch of role players, and then let's get all these stars in here and try and get every sort of fit. Now they have Embiid and Harden and a bunch of role players where they've uh they've essentially said get Ben Simmons out of here. Now we have the two guards who don't present any offensive problems uh, from a, like, weirdness standpoint. And, uh, yeah, so so I think they can get it in the top ten. And, you know, so, some of that is, I, I will say, some of it is mitigated by the comical free throw rate that they have. Yeah. You know, like, okay, they're only, uh, you know, they, I, I laugh at some of these rim stats. They were 11th in rim attempts last year post-harden. Is- <laughs> but you're also getting to the rim yeah. a ton with these Embiid and Harden fouls. So... I think they're doing pretty good there. Uh, just, you know, cutting out some of those mid rangers.
1: No,
2: you got fouled at the rim. Shot doesn't go in. It doesn't count as a shot. It's not going to impact your field goal chart, but it, it, you're at the rim. You're at the rim.
0: Yeah. And earlier in the year, they were a super low turnover team. That went up a little bit when Harden got there, which is fine. Yep. I'm okay with that. It's, it's so funny. We went from the, the family guy throwing up all over themselves, just, just vomiting offense to where we're like, all right, you're almost being a little bit too safe. And we've talked about that with Maxi a little yep. bit, but just as a whole team, they were pretty safe. They
2: had, you don't need to be Tony Roten, but you can take another risk or two. Yeah.
0: You don't have to be Seth Curry either. And Seth Curry was awesome last yep. year, but that's what his playing style was. It was mid Rangers and, or more mid Rangers than you would like for some guy who's an absolute dead eye shooter
2: and not a lot of turnovers either yeah. too.
0: You know, turnovers,
2: turnovers don't come from pull up jump shots. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I, I would say overall kind of looking at the numbers uh, and if you look at the offensive rating, it was um, it was 114 or it was uh, 112 when Harden got there and it was 118 after it was over. It's just uh, th- there definitely were signs that it got better, but, you know, teams score at a very high rate. I think the the signs generally were encouraging. You just kind of have to see it now that we everybody starts with a clean slate and everybody's trying to win basketball games at this point. And then, you know, then it feels like a top 5 offense. Let me let me ask you from a an individual standpoint. We we talked about the team, the turnovers, all those things. What is the number one thing you would want to see from any individual? Like the most important thing could be anything, too, like a specific skill, a Tyrese Maxey's passing.
2: Yeah? Yeah. And I don't think we're I don't I think it's unlikely we might see a huge jump in that. Not only because I think it takes time to develop, but also he's just not going to have the ball quite as much. But in those units where he's running without James Harden, when he's running alongside Joel Embiid, we presume, mostly because of his growth in that regard would have the most impact on the Sixers. Championship equity, not really this year, although it would, but because it would then make it team building down the road a hell of a lot easier. And it's that really pairing key. between long term. Yeah, yeah, it would be huge long term. It would, I mean, that's the one thing that would extend the everyone talks about a window right now being one, two, maybe three years, depending on how Harden ages. If Tyrese Maxey can become a Dame-level passer, that window is now as long as Joel Embiid is not only in his prime, but even maybe a couple of years after his prime, if you can fill out the team right, that window could be four, five, six years, depending on how Maxey develops. So that, that to me, is, is what I'm looking for the most.
1: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before?
2: Uh, in terms of what would impact the championship odds this much, it's it's Harden. Can he actually get by his guy off the dribble?
0: Number one. Yep. And, and I completely agree with you. You you and your and I don't long-term... Even like,
2: I don't even really, like, we talk about that. I don't need Harden to average 30 a night in a regular season. I just need to have confidence that when the playoffs get here, he can get by his guy off the dribble. That's all I want. I don't, I don't even really want him taking that many shots because I think you need Maxi to be a big part of your offense, too. I just need to know he can when you need it.
0: You nailed it, and I think you you nailed it from the the GM standpoint, the the team building long term standpoint, which I think is a little more you than me. I'm more of the coaching standpoint of like what's going to help you get this done. Now, even though we both have both, uh, we we can see both of those uh, lenses. I think pretty well. For me, that's number one. Harden needs to dust some fools on switches. Yeah,
2: and if I were to say like I can't swum- I can't see him getting stoned by Isaiah. Ike Stewart Ike. again. Yeah. They can't, they can't do
0: it. <laughs> that game was really, it's stuck in my head too. It, look back at the NBA finals last year. What swung that was like the Warriors played great defense, all of those things. I think the single biggest swing factor was Curry's ability to take Boston switching schemes and their mobile big men, you know, uh, Time Lord, Grant Williams, Horford, and he roasted them one-on-one off the dribble. The underrated step thing is he's such a stronger finisher around the yeah. rim now. Like he's, you know, he's definitely put work on his body to get stronger. And you can definitely see that where he's still got the, the speed to go by people, but he's, uh, w- once he gets somebody on his hip, he's pretty good at warding them off. And that's a lot of that is added upper body strength, I believe. So, you know, even when Harden had that great game against Miami, game four of that second round series, those shots were difficult. Yeah. You know, those at, and I wouldn't like to caveat that that was Bam out of Bio's probably a better switch center than those three Celtics guys. I mentioned he's elite. He's really good at staying in front of players, but those felt, and it was so much fun to watch Harden do that. It felt like he was getting a little lucky on some of those. If we if we're being honest, even, even,
2: even if it's not luck, it's just not sustainable. Like you need to mix in some easier looks for sure.
0: Yeah. For sure. That's a great way to put it. Cause like, even I'm thinking of the one he had that one finish around the rim where Bam Really got up on him, Harden goes between his legs, and he he reverses it with his left hand. I mean the skill level yep. on that play is outrageous to finish up, but you're right. it's not sustainable. He wasn't dusting bam to the same level that Curry was dusting the other guys now again bam is he was the guy we got to see last year, and he's he might be the best one in the league at it so uh and you're right, I don't need to see it every single game. I don't need four blow buys per night. In isolation, but like you, I have that Ike Stewart game in my head. I, I can't, no, no more Ike Stewarts. C- can't see it. Uh, yeah, that's the biggest thing. And uh, be Ike
2: Stewart every time we talk about him now, absolutely. Yeah,
0: I don't think we should call anybody named Isaiah Ike except him. <laughs> no, no, Ike <laughs> Jones.
2: Ike Reese, Ike Reese can keep it. Well, he's, he's, he's been can. using it long enough,
0: absolutely. Uh, the the other thing too, it just in, in I think from a long term standpoint, you're absolutely right about Maxi and his passing. I, perhaps Tobias is the only other one that's in this bucket, and you talked about that earlier. Maxi took thirty-eight percent of his jumpers from mid-range last year. Yeah. As someone who watched Daryl Morey when he was sitting in the front row during that pandemic year yeah, and we were the only with ones Joel. in the Joel.
2: <laughs> yep. He doesn't want that. He's 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 not gonna Probably yell at him, but he's he's going to wince every now and then, yeah.
0: Every one of the times Maxi pauses from three, invites the defense to run him off the line, literally invites him, should be a $1,000 fine. <laughs> and then it should be a $5,000 fine if that results in a mid-range jumper afterwards. Guess what, Tyrese? They'll gladly run you off the line because the shot you're passing up is the one they do not want you to take. I think a reasonable goal for him. I think he was in the 4.2 yep. range. Per 36, uh, get that up to seven, man. Like I, you know, you don't have to be Dame Lillard this year, but we we need to see some progress. Because here's the thing like we, we always talk about taking more threes and can the players get up more shots? And sometimes in those cases, we would complain about it, but the players really didn't have the talent to
2: yeah. get those shots up. That's where I was getting at. If he, if this was when he was coming out of college and he was taking settling for pull up jumpers, pull up twos, you'd go, okay, well, he doesn't have that three pointer in his arsenal right now. He does. We know he does. He was very comfortable with it. Now it's just breaking that habit. He's got all
0: the shot creation yep. talent in the world. He's got the shooting touch. Like I, I think his shooting is real. I know he was insanely it was like forty eight percent after the All Star break last year. I, I think like he has a chance to be you know an eight or nine three per game guy, and he shoots forty percent on those. So he's yep. just like a and dynamite offensive player.
2: It's like you said. It's not eight or nine now. Just take a step towards that path. I agree. I I think
0: yeah, six or seven would be good. Even six. I wouldn't complain too much. Do you have any specific hopes for, uh, for him
2: I mean, he's mostly, most of my major problems, not even problems. Most of my major nitpicks. He's pretty much solved. His turnover rate goes down every year. His passing gets better. Is this going to be the year that doesn't go down? I mean, at some point it has to stop. His bad shots, decrease a lot of people are say drop his threes i'm okay with him taking threes there might be individual shots that i would have a problem with but i think he should be shooting some threes no it's just incremental improvements in the areas he's always made incremental improvements in. just continue doing that um I, I was i wouldn't say a vocal critic but i pointed out that there were times earlier in his career where you were right too. turnovers uh bad shots limited his offensive productivity i think that's he's is it perfect? No, but he's made sustained progress towards that, that I'm pretty confident he will continue to make sustained progress towards that. It'll always be like passing is, I think, the biggest swing skill for him and, and the biggest way he can improve his impact. But he's gotten better at it, so I think he's going to continue to get better at it. Really, Completely what I agree. want from Joel is that I want him to take fewer shots and be less of a focal point on, on offense so he can has more energy to expend on defense, especially in the playoffs. That, to me, is the biggest goal, and that's not even really about him.
0: Yeah, I think you you have it right. It's a it's an interesting time for Embiid offensively. I think because on the one hand, he has Harden and the super efficient pick and roll, and we saw last year how easy some of those points are for him. Like yeah. he doesn't he doesn't need to jump above the rim to get those points. He can just get a nice floater, a nice yep. It's easy on his limbs. And but that's he where also- his
2: growth offensively will come. He has people to actually create easy shots for him now.
0: Yeah but i also still think he needs to figure out some of the playoff foibles and and last year is is tough to judge him on just because he was very good against a team that was not that great in toronto and then against miami all right he's out for two games he's like he's coming back he's, he's got all this shit with his head and and stuff so i don't i don't know how much we can take from that but they did deny him the ball in key moments, like it was hard to get him touches on a consistent basis. So I think there's room for experimentation from him, like even going to the perimeter a little bit more just because, you know, the regular season he has hardened as this kind of safety blanket where he'll get 12 to 14 points per game easier than he ever has. And, uh, and I do trust drew Hanlon and him to be thinking ahead and kind of pinpointing on what, what matters, you know, and like trying to, do some different stuff, whether that's like, you it, know catching the ball all the way out in the yeah. wing, because frankly, those two in that process led to him getting second place in MVP the last
2: two years. Yeah. No, It'll be interesting to see what he can do now that he has an offseason where he knows he's playing alongside Harden, what he and Hanlon, that whole team can do to get him prepared to be a little more of a pick-and-roll player. Quite frankly, he was better at it than I expected uh, when the acquisition was made. He adapted to it quicker. Uh, how much progress can he make now that he has an offseason to work at it? Like you said, that was one area where it was real tough to evaluate him in the playoffs because he had a screwed up thumb and his face was busted. So who freaking knows? Um, but yeah, that, that specifically in terms of skill set, just being a little more decisive quick when he gets the ball off pick and roll is is probably the biggest.
0: What, one other small thing, and this is a, a doc thing. This is just a word of advice outside of log off. Uh, the Sixers were 13th, I think, in clutch scoring last year. That doesn't seem that bad. But and this is a smaller part of it. Doc. So you're
2: giving Doc not only Twitter advice but clutch offense advice.
0: No, just just run plays at the end of games. I I know smart and this is this is more PR based. Like I know smart fans who literally judge coaches only on their late game plays. They, they, the rest of the game ah eh, doesn't matter, and it's not always fair. But in Doc's case, there's a lot of times like in a very close game, he wants to just run clock and not turn the ball over. Enough of that. You're you're good at drawing up plays. Run some actual stuff down the stretch and see how that goes. If you turn it over, I, I will be the first person on this podcast to say, hey, at least he's trying something different. I, that game three against Toronto is still stuck in my head. Yeah. It's the perfect example. Absolute, complete, nonsense garbage that has no chance of working. Then you call a timeout and draw up an awesome play, which you're good at. How about you do that proactively? Do that at the beginning next time instead of having to wait uh
2: S- small little nitpick. He, he he does give his stars a little bit of freedom down the stretch. It feels like like here, James, Joel, go create something. Uh, I, I agree. It reminds me of, remember when they got Jimmy and he hit like two game winners in like the, his first couple of games. And both of them were on like bullshit, Horrible. non-play step back threes that were just awful. Uh, and that was another one where Brett and his staff were pretty good at drawing up plays. Sometimes you get these stars and you just give them a little more maybe freedom than you should. Ugh. I agree with you. I agree. It's,
0: It's not just a doc problem. You do see it a lot around the league as well, but enough. Start running plays down the the key parts of the game. Also run the play for Joel, run the play for Jay. Like it, it, it doesn't have to be where you just like, let them go and say, just, you make up everything here. No, like we'll, we'll give you a specific action, execute it. I think it'll work. Okay. That's my, uh, small doc thing that was annoying to me last year.
2: Anything else that annoys you? In Sixers with Doc and life in general. No, and his podcast on a. No. no, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about the team. Okay. Good right now. Yeah, good. Good. We we want Rich Hoffman to be happy. It's a better world when Rich Hoffman is happy with it. All right, I think that's pretty much all that I have here. We'll like I said, we'll come back here next week. Focus a little more on the defense. Hopefully, a little less on Twitter activity. But quite frankly, I don't care as long as you're not revealing. Like I said team medical secrets or trashing your players on twitter which with this franchise you you can't 100 percent rule that out but as long as you're not doing that i don't really care what you're doing on twitter just be smart and know that it's public or at least either either be smart and know that it's public or be smart and lock it down two-factor authentication really important look into it everyone should have it especially people in a public setting but thank you rich for jumping on and we will talk to you soon
0: see you man go birds